0: Psalm they sang right before that you may be saying it's already done maybe you don't feel like it's already done maybe you're looking at your circumstance or your situation and the only thing that it's going to change is how we think about that situation Jesus paid the price for all of our sins past present and future and he's already done the work for us but sometimes we need a shift in our minds. Sometimes we have to get in our minds the faith that say, it's already done. My healing's already done. I'm reaching out and grabbing hold of it right now because it's already done. My restoration is already done. My addiction is already done. You gotta, sometimes you just gotta hold on to that thing and you gotta change the way you think about that thing. So this morning, just, just for a minute, let's lift our hands and let's release that thing or those things let's release them to god and let's go ahead and say it's already done you did it so father we come to you right now and i speak release and i speak an end to negative thinking lord we just come to you this morning and we give you the praise we have our hands lifted high not because we're something because you're something So, God, we come to you today, and we want to take advantage of this atmosphere that's going on in this place right now. And we want to just lay it all out to you. Give it all to you. Help us, Lord, right now to release everything that we need to release to you. And to change our mind and know that it's already done. Already done. Already done. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's give Jesus. Oh, he, oh, he's better than that. Come on. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, how's everybody loving winter? If y'all are saying you love winter, I can tell you, you can sit next to this lovely lady up front here and she'll tell you how much she does not like winter. So, uh... Uh, I don't like to be cold, I actually would rather be hot than cold, and that sounds like a, another message right there, but I can't be in the middle, right? We can't be lukewarm. Oh, help, help me, Jesus, this morning. But uh, we're so glad to have you here with us this morning, and you know, you're going to be watching via YouTube here uh, later on today, and we're just so glad to have you with us in the building. And Last week, we were honored to have Paris with us. Did he not do a great job? I thought he did a great job, and next week now you're going to be blessed with Nicole's going to be back here next week, so you're going to have the double tandem there. But we are actually going to be out of town next weekend. That is not. That doesn't mean you don't come to church because the pastor's not here. I'm going to get on you. A lot of people say, "Oh, the pastor's not going to be here." I'm not going to. He'll not. Hey, we're going to keep attendance. We're going to make you sign your name. No, I'm not. We're not going to do that. But we're going to go and remember John and Shauna Teal. They're launching Voyage Church next Sunday. So come on, let's be in prayer for them right now because that's a big undertaking, but we know God's got a big plan for what's gonna happen in their life. So uh, we're gonna be down there supporting them, cheering them on. We're gonna also be giving to them to, to, to be able to plant this church, and I believe God's gonna do a big thing. But if you've been around here long enough to know that we're all in the process, right? I mean, if you've probably heard me say this, Pastor Mindy say this, other people that's been on the stage with a mic in their hand. We're in the process. But, you know, some of us are a little farther along. Some of us are just starting. I don't want you to feel bad for the, for the part of the process that you're in. You know, because so many times we feel like we look up to someone because they've been a Christian for this many years or that many years, and we just don't feel like we can attain that. But let me tell you something. God has a starting point for you And you only. He has a race for you and you only. Don't look ahead to someone else. You look at where God is taking you personally. But I will tell you this much. Whatever whatever area of process that you're in, I can promise you that at one time or another, you're going to face temptation. Correct? Nobody faces temptation in here, do you? Liars. I'm kidding. Battling sin... And battling temptation is typical of all Christians. And listen, we've been forgiven of our sins, but that doesn't mean that we still don't have a sinful nature, right? That doesn't mean that we're still not, because uh, the Bible says we're going to be tempted. Uh, and so it doesn't mean that we're going to be exempt from temptation. This morning, i want to talk to you a little bit about temptation, what it is. Temptation, uh, Temptations versus testing, that was hard to say. And I'm gonna give you some practical steps on how to deal with temptation and maybe even avoid it. But well, let me take you to a story. Jesus' baptism was a big deal, Right? It was his high time. Man, he walked up on the scene, and, and things changed. And uh, It said the dove came out, and the skies uh, opened. And, but the biggest thing of was, it was his inauguration into who he was going to be. And when, G, when God said, this is my son, in whom I am well pleased, he identified him as his son. So uh, it was the time when he got the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him, too. But here's what Jesus did not do. He didn't go back to Jerusalem. He didn't make a TikTok. He didn't get on Instagram. He didn't do anything like that to bolster himself. The Bible says in the next verses after that happened, it said he was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Oh my gosh, you know, there was the biggest biggest day of his life. And the very next verse says he was led in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Can you say wilderness with me? That's a good word. Wilderness, say it again. The devil always tries to do something. He always tries to cause trouble when God is doing something big in your life. Let me just tell you something. We just came off of a fast and we see a shift happening in, in the atmosphere of the church, But and you may see a shift happening in your own life. I want you to be on guard. I want you to know that you gotta watch and you gotta protect what God has done in your life during this time. Because the enemy always wants to come in and do something. You know, when you first get saved and you get baptized, and man, you're just ready to go take on hell, and you're giving your testimony. And a lot of times when you start giving your testimony, what happens? The enemy enemy comes at you and he starts attacking you because of the words that are coming out of your mouth. He wants to forfeit the things that God has done in your life. Let me tell you something. We're most vulnerable after a successful season in our lives. And temptations usually come in what? Waves. You usually go for a long time and you don't, and all of a sudden, bam, 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 bam. You know what that ought to show you? That means that the enemy is around and you have to be aware that he's doing something. It should alert us to the temptations and to the things of what he's doing in our lives. Today, I want to preach a message to you called, some of you older folks will get this in here, seasoned, sorry, let let me change that around a little bit. We're seasoned in here, we're not old. The title of my message is, the devil made me do it. Anybody remember Flip Wilson? The Oh, uh, okay, I, I see everybody, the older folk. Yeah, I remember Flip Wilson. But he, I watched the clip of that. I almost played the clip because it was hilarious. But uh, it's talked about how the devil made uh, his wife buy all these dresses. But uh, the title of this message is The Devil Made Me Do It. Let's look at Matthew 4.1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Matthew, I said that with, trying to get you to know, because that's 40. Listen, some of us got through day three of the fast, and we were going, OMG, I need a cheeseburger. Oh, my God, give me some cow or some meat or something. I need it. That one was for you over there. Verse 3, it says, now when the tempter came to him, he said, if... You are the Son of God. Command that these stones become bread. First of all, I want to do this. I want to define what temptation is. Temptation is a strong desire to do something, especially something that's wrong or unwise. Another word used in that, too, you know me, I love definitions, is enticed. There's a quote from Tim Chalice that says Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience. I'm going to read that one again, because that was good. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience. When you sacrifice your obedience, it leads to being in habitual sin. When you start sacrificing the things that that, that you know you shouldn't be, when you compromise the things, before too long, you're, you're habitually doing things you're probably not supposed to do. And I know sin is a big word, and it's not the buzzword in church anymore, but it's still a big word in the church world today. It leads also to lack of uh, conviction, and also what that does, that soon leads to spiritual death. But when we think about temptations, what do we think about? Adultery, and sex, and pornography, and stealing, and we got all all of the top list of everything that we do, but sometimes the little things can also be the big things. How about these? Are you tempted to tell a little white lie every once in a while? Come on, are y'all y'all a bunch of say people in the house out here? You you never tell an untruth, do you? But you're tempted to tell a little white lie at someone. You're te- you're you're tempted to cheat at cards, like my wife cheats at cards. That's a lie. She, that was a white. No, that was a full fledged lie. She uh, she does not cheat at cards. She beats me most of the time. But you're you're tempted not to give the money the wrong change back. Y'all ever had that? And y'all ever had anybody give you more money back than you should have gotten? Uh, and, and you're tempted to put it in your pocket? I pulled around uh, the bank one day, and and I got in there, and I told the lady I needed $300 out, and I, I pulled off, and I had a, I mean, I had an envelope that thick of money. So I, I got around the side of the building, and I was like, what the heck? Three $100 bills, and hey, it shouldn't be that thick. She had given me $2,500 in this envelope. And uh, because she had a transaction before that she got mixed up on. So I pulled around. She's like, oh, sir, did I do something wrong? I was like, no, yes, you did. I don't want you to lose your job. So here's your money back. And she said, thank you so much because I would have lost my job over that, that much of the money. So are you tempted to just go on your own way? Are you tempted to anger and road rage? Any road ragers in the house? Okay, we got some real people up in here. Are you tempted, listen, uh, there ain't no maybe. (laughs) No maybe. No gray area there, you're full-fledged. Then she gets mad at me too, she's raging at me also. No, I'm kidding. But um, are you tempted to overuse your electronics? See, people don't think about all these things, they think about all the big stuff, but are you on your phone all day long? I think Elijah said something about, you know, we. We got neck and back problems or something because we're all hunched over and on our phones. But are you tempted to overeat? Fat Jimmy's has got a great buffet, right, Bruce? And Bruce told me that he's a lot of time tempted. He gives over to the temptation to eat too much because you know when you go to a buffet, you gotta get all you can get, right? Because you might not get to eat for four more hours. (laughs) That's why I stay away from buffets if I can. But the devil's first temptation that he brought before Jesus was his appetite, his, the bread. He had went 40 days without eating anything. But what he was trying to do, he was trying to tempt Jesus with instant gratification. So many times temptations are what you can do for me in the moment, in the second, in the time that you do it in. And instant gratification always gives us... We live in a feel-do-what-you-feel-like world right now. If it feels good, do it, right? And so I'm telling you today, that's where the enemy brings to you. He wants you to give you instant gratifications. And our appetites and our desires do what? They lead us into a lot of temptations, right? Because we want what we want, we wanna do it when we wanna do it, we wanna have that gratification at any moment in our time. And then we say, the devil, really, the devil made me do it. Really, did he make you do it? I think that's an excuse to justify. That's an excuse to justify, and I've used that one too myself, and so have almost everybody else in here. But it's to justify falling into the temptation or even losing control of yourself. Let's look at James 1, 14. It says this, But each one is tempted when he or she is drawn away or listens to his own desires or enticed or attracted to. No, Larry, don't look at the light. It's so beautiful. Y'all remember Bug's Life? You do not see that clip in Bug's Life. I can't help it. It's so beautiful. And so we're attracted to the light, right? We're attracted. He tried to warn him. But what, what are we really attracted to? Are you attracted to wrong relationships? Maybe that shows the things that you're attracted to. Are you attracted, listen to this one, listening to and being attracted to the wrong things will cost you. Sometimes these things, we're drawn into addiction, we're drawn into bad relationships, but the biggest thing we're drawn into is our negative thoughts, our negative things. Sometimes we're, it's okay to have a bad day every once in a while, but when it's seven days a week, you've got to start figuring out something. Come on, have you ever been around those people that are always in a bad mood or always having a bad day? Hey, you're allowed one of those every once in a while. You get a PTO day on that one one day, but you don't get no more of those. That's it. You need to come in here with a, oh man, come in here with a smile on your face every once in a while. Oh, I'm going to want on here. I'm getting people mad at me. Verse 15 says, then when desire, listen to this, has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. It starts with a thought, maybe even a tiny little seed, and it grows in the body. It's just like a, a, a baby growing in a womb. You know, it's cons- in the womb, and it's conceived. And all of a sudden, it, it starts to grow inside of you until it's actually birthed and comes birth. That's how sin does. It starts out as a little seed. It starts out as a little thought. It starts out as a little um, just something like that. And before too long, it's conceived, and it's birthed into something that you didn't really want to give birth to says when it grows up, it, gets, it turns into addiction and even spiritual and physical death. Listen, temptation, I'm going to say this, is not a sin. Jesus was tempted, but giving in to that temptation is the part of that's the sin. Well, let's look at the devil. Here he goes again, Matthew 4, 6. And he says, if you are the son of God, jump off. He took him up to a high pinnacle, and he says, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. His second temptation was testing and trusting God. Another word for tempt is to test or to prove. The big difference between God and the devil is God will test you, the devil will tempt you. Giving in to temptation always leads to death. The word says the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your dreams. He wants to destroy your future. That's all he's designed to do is that right there. But also, testing leads to growth. If you're going through a... Oh, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Sometimes we think the wilderness is just some place to uh, uh, God has sent us because he's mad at us. But sometimes testing will lead you to growth. Remember, trials without God will break you, but trials with God will make you. <laughs> Tests move you from one grade level to the next grade level. And I believe that we're all going to be going through tests as we walk in this Christian life. You can't stay in first grade all your life. God takes you from step to step. And maybe you're a baby Christian in here today or or someone who just came new to the faith. Keep on stepping. Keep on going. Keep on trusting because the things that he's trying to do in in your life right now might take some processes and some steps to get through. Testing doesn't always mean failing. The opportunity to succeed can faithfully prove to you and to everyone else around you who God really is. Tests are not for the sake of the teacher, but for the benefit of the student. It's not benefiting God to test you. It's benefiting uh, him to put you through those things sometimes to get you to come out on the other side better than you were the first time. James one three, and I'm going to prove it. It says that the testing of your faith produces patience. Anybody need patience in here? Oh my gosh! You better turn red light. Turn. Come on. But here's the thing: God's tests move you forward. He looked at Abraham and said, "I want you to get out of your country." He said, "I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave everything that that you know," and then. He had to wait for a hundred years to get the promise that God said he was going to put in him. But you know what? Abraham is known as the father of our faith because he passed the test. He could have stopped at year 80. He almost they had a little hiccup there around eight, year 80, but a big hiccup, but, but he could have stopped. He could have stopped trusting God, but he said, God, you told me this, and I'm going to believe this. First Peter 4:2 says. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery trials or ordeals that have come to test you as though something strange has happened to you. There's a story also in the Bible where the king of Babylon set up a, I'm preaching about nine different uh, messages here, but the king of Babylon set up a, a large idol out in the middle. He told everybody to bow to it. And just about everybody, no, I'm sorry, everybody bowed to it, except there was three Hebrew children. Can y'all name those three Hebrew children? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Yeah, here we go. They were the ones that wouldn't bow because of their strong belief in God. So the king was ticked off. He was like, no, you're going to bow to me. He gave them another chance. They still would not bow. Then he says, if you don't bow to me, I'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace. That had to be a big test, right? Can you think about this? All I got to do is bow down, and I won't get burned alive. But they decided not to. He threw them in the flames. But let me tell you something. The Bible said this. Not only did they not get burned, not only did they not even smell like smoke when they come out, but all, whoo, I'm about to be happy in here. It said, it said God was himself was walking around in the fire with them. Sometimes, God won't take you out of the trials. He'll be with you in the trials. Some on. The, the testing that you're going through, the things you might be going through right now, I'm telling you one thing, God is right, right there in the middle with it. He's right there in the middle of your walk, Andy. Every single day, he's there for you. Every day. So keep walking. Israel was in the wilderness. Say wilderness. Trying to keep y'all you on your toes. They were in the wilderness for 40 years wandering around. Why? Because they were disobedient. They were grumbling. They were complaining. Their test in the wilderness revealed just how easily the Israelites could forget God and how, what God had done for them. It's just like us, though. We get going, and we forget how good God is. We fall back into patterns of gossiping and complaining and, and pride and anger and selfishness. We see that God can put our test, put us to the test with our patience, with our faith, and even with our hearts. Let us let me look. at the, Here comes the devil again at Jesus. Matthew 4, 8. It says, next the devil took him to a peak of a high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and you will worship me. Satan took him up on this high mountain. I can just imagine it was a panoramic view. He could see the world around him. And he says, I'm going to give you all of this. His, he offered Jesus rule of the earth with this temptation because he wanted to talk to him about being powerful, about being popular, about having approval or even having things that you can look at. He was tempting Jesus with the power of popularity. We live in a celebrity culture, right? We look up to movie stars. We look up to uh, actors and actresses. We look up to the musicians and sports people. And then, because we look up to them, we start to idolize them. We start to wanna be like them. We start to be really attracted to them. And we find out down the line that you know because our lives are seem boring or our lives seem mundane, we just feel like we have to have our identity in someone else. Only to find out that these people They put their shoes on the same way we put our shoes on. They tie their, you know, they do the same things that we do, but we put them in a higher place. Uh, Jesus didn't need to be the celebrity. He didn't need to be somebody. Popularity was not his goal. He, was, he wasn't concerned. He was a beast, man, I'm telling you. He wasn't concerned about what everybody thought because he walked up in the temple and he told everybody, all those religious folks, what he thought about it half the time. He didn't care if he was popular. Because you know why? Because his identity was secure in the Father. We are tempted to do things to seek approval. We need to try to, ple- any people pleasers in the house, but y'all, oh my gosh, y'all are some saved people telling some truth up in here. We need to always be pleasing other people. Unconsciously, we think, you know, if I just do enough to please them, uh, I'll be safe for just the moment, you know. But you know what it does after a while? It makes you feel overcommitted, underappreciated, And you think people are upset with you all the time when they're really not mad. Does anybody ever think somebody's mad at them all the time? Man, I said this and somebody might. Y'all are are like some real honest people in here. This is great. Because we're about to have an altar call here just a little bit. So uh, so I expect to see a full altar. No, no, no. Y'all are just telling the truth. So you may not have to get saved all over again. But you never, you gotta, can I just release you? you're not going to please everybody. You probably won't even please half of everybody. You might even not even please a quarter of everybody. But I'm telling you one thing right now, you have to be pleasing to God and not worry about what everybody says. You got to start believing that I'm defined by God. I have the approval of the Father, and because I'm a son and I'm a daughter of the King, I don't have to worry about what you think. We're tempted to worship things. We have a desire for a home. It's okay. We have a desire for money, and we have a desire for stuff. There's nothing wrong with that, as long as it doesn't consume you. As long as that's not your idol or what you put up on top of that. Having things and positions and ambitions are okay, as long as it doesn't take take away from what God wants you to do in your life. You cannot work all the time. Work can't be your idol. Because before too long, if work becomes your idol, you put God on the back burner and you don't even know where to find him. You can't be selfish with your time. You have to be able to give your time. And if you work all the time, you're always doing this, this, you finally, we finally give up what God wants us to do. Colby was down a couple, uh, I think it was last year or whatever. We were sitting around playing cards and we we were teaching him how to play cards and we were winning. I think that's why he said it. And then he starts into this little rant, says, everybody just wants to win. We're all, everybody wants to win, 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 win. And he starts this little singing, this little song. I don't even know what version he was singing in. But, you know, he said, that's all we're consumed with ambition to win, to always be on top. You know, what does Jesus say? He says, serve, Never mind winning. He said, the first is gonna be last and the last is gonna be first. He said, don't don't worry about it, just serve. What kind of heart do we have to serve other people? Are we doing it for gain? Are we doing it for for selfish reasons? Or are we just doing it because we want to love Louisville back to life? I like verse 10. He says, get out of here, Satan. In another verse, he says, get behind me. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Sometimes... The way to get away from temptation and the devil is just say, "Get away from me, Satan." We try to make this long formula up, and but ninety percent of the time, if we would just if we would just resist, the Bible says if you resist the devil, he's going to flee. So many times we entertain the devil, and he stays around. And I'm telling you, if we just start to resist, we can. We got to resist. I love what he said. He said, it shows the importance of knowing the word. It, the devil came at him three times. He wrote, he said, it is written. You notice how the devil and Jesus are both using the word? This is how we know. That's why you got to be in the word. You got to know the word. You have, to, you have to digest the word because the word is crucial because the devil knows it. And he knows how to twist it. He knows how to make it the way he wants it to sound. And sometimes it sounds pretty good. That's why we need to stand on the word. That's why I said for the last month, get in your Bible. Get you some word inside of you. There, here's the part right now, Ashley's favorite thing. This is our time to take notes. If you haven't taken notes yet, you need to write some of this stuff down because it'll change your life. Y'all got, I don't, I don't see, oh, I see some notebooks. Hey, I see some phones coming up there. That's awesome. How do we deal with temptation? Can I read this to you? Discipline can be your friend. Although it's difficult, discipline is temporary discomfort that can lead to a permanent, lasting result. Discipline can be your friend. Remember that on your third set, lifting weights or on the elliptical. Discipline can be your friend when you're on the eighth mile of a 25-mile or 24-mile run or whatever. Discipline can be your friend. So many times we discard discipline because we don't want to be dis- disciplined. Sometimes we make bad choices because we're not healed. And so many times we've got to understand that, that we've all been through traumatic things in our life. We've all had some things that have happened to us. And we have to learn how to deal with those things. And, and you know what? A lot of times we still live in regret, we still live in shame, we still live in fear. And you, But I want you to know this morning, your trauma or your past doesn't have to define who you are. Isaiah 43, 18 says, Forget the former things. You may not have this one. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. In the chosen, there's the, there's the chosen plug. Stephanie, I'm glad you're reading the, cho- uh, listen to the chosen. Okay? Bruce finally got you in there. But Matthew's statement from the last chosen says, People are out there want to define us by by what we have done in the past. But we act differently now because of Jesus. I thought that was so profound. The Bible says we are a new creation. Behold, the old things are gone, and he's made everything new. Well, you know, what you you thought was a mess, God wants to turn into a message to help someone else because there is someone out there that only you, only you can change. You know why? Because you've been through it because you know what it's like to come to be here and be on the other side of it. They may be starting that journey. You can help them through it. Listen, I'm telling you, you can have victory over your past, over your hurt, over your pain, but you gotta allow the Holy Spirit to transform you by his power. How do you deal with temptation? Number two, you gotta guard yourself. You gotta guard what you see. You gotta guard what you hear. You gotta guard what you say. Who are you listening to and what are you listening to? James one twenty six says, oh, James is pretty brutal. If you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. It says the tongue is a little member, but what? It's got a lot of fire and flame that comes out of that tongue, right? What you say and what you hear, but mostly it's about what you say but I'm gonna tell you something. Gossip is not only what you say, it's what you allow to come into your ears. Right? If you're entertaining something that's probably not right, you're probably just as guilty, no, you know, probably, you're just as guilty as the person saying it. So sometimes it ain't what you always what you say, it's what you listen to. And listen, you gotta set boundaries. You gotta set boundaries with your family. You got to set boundaries with your friends. You got to set boundaries with your social media and your electronics. You got to do all of those things to guard yourself. How do we deal with temptation? Number three, we got to change our friends and our relationship. Does it matter who you run with? Does it matter who you run with? It says, Show me your five friends and I'll show you your future. It matters who you run with and who you go with and the bible says to be in the world but not of the world that don't mean you got to wrap yourself in the christian bubble wrap it don't mean you got to be inside of your little bubble and say i can't let the world touch me you know no the bible says to be in the world but not of the world listen there's a world out there that needs you to talk to them there's a world out there that don't need you wrapped up in bubble wrap. They need you to come out in them and get dirty with them. So I'm telling you right now, you got you to surround yourself with the right people. Number four, don't get disconnected. This is a big one. This is a big one for the last couple years in church. COVID got us disconnected. COVID's still got us disconnected, you know? I mean, it's still crazy the amount of people that are sick and, and it's influencing, but don't get disconnected. Because what happens when you get outside of community, you lose accountability, you drift away, and before too long, you know, you're, you're tired and you're weary, and we've had people uh, text us and call us and say, uh, you know, man, I'm just I'm going through all of this stuff, and you know, I've not seen you in small group in two or three months. I've not seen you in church in the last two or three months. You cannot afford to get disconnected because when the enemy isolates, he dominates. Pastor Minnie, that's what she says. I'm giving her the quote. But you drift away. If you run alone, here's a quote. I couldn't find the author. If you run alone, you'll run fast. But if you run with the right people, you're going to run far. So many times we're running fast and we're not getting anywhere, but if we get with the right people that set the right pace, that takes you into the right place, they're gonna get you where you need to go. You gotta give credit. Here we go. Don't run this race alone. We're better together. And when we get connected, we can share our struggles. We can have good friendships. And that's why our small groups are very important to get plugged into one of those. Strengthen one Strengthen one another we got to pray for each other. And listen, we can accomplish more together than we can alone. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. These are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Galatians 6.10, this is the word. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, not just the people you like. Let me go on especially those who are in the family of faith. Look around. You gotta be good to everybody in here. You gotta smile at everybody. You gotta act like you like. No, you gotta love everyone. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's another sermon right there. How do we overcome temptation? Number five, this is the biggest one. We gotta trust God. First Corinthians says, all that stuff's good, but if we don't trust God, that's the hard, that's the one that's gonna help us the most. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, let him think, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, say "God God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation, he will also make a way of, say, escape, that you may be able to bear it. But God gives the escape plan. Lead us, Bible says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We can choose the escape route or we can choose to go the way that we want to go. He always prepares a way. Listen, the way of overcoming temptation is not just firmly planting your feet on the ground and saying, I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna stand on my own two feet. It's keeping your eyes on Jesus because that part of it doesn't really work, does it? It's a chance to exercise your faith and trust God to keep you from falling. And listen, sometimes you just got to use some common sense. Sometimes you just got to run when you need to run, and sometimes you can't look at when you shouldn't look. But sometimes we ask, does God even know how I feel? Listen to Hebrews 4.15. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all parts tempted as we are, yet without sin." You might be saying this, I'm the only one battling with this temptation. No, you're not. Everybody in this room is battling with something. It may be a different variance of something, but you're battling with something. And then you look around and you say, man, everybody else must be doing good. I'm not doing very good. So we don't talk about it and we pretend that it's okay. and, and, And before too long, the result is failure and defeat. Struggle is real and everyone is struggling. You're not alone. You just need to take it to God and be responsible. I'm going to ask you all, if you would, stand with me, please. Maybe you're here today, and you're maybe going, we said this word wilderness several times. Maybe you're here today, and you're going through a wilderness time in your life. Maybe you don't know why you're in this season or or, or may, heck, maybe you've put yourself in this season. I don't know. But you're feeling alone. You're feeling disconnected. The first step to do is if you don't know who Jesus is as your personal savior, that's the first step to coming out of those things in your life. And fairly simple to go in and say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me. I want you to come into my heart and make me new. That's the very first step to come out of anything. But we know that Jesus physically, physically went into the wilderness. He had to be tempted. Why did he have to be tempted? Because he needed to feel what we feel when we're tempted. And, you know, what is the wilderness? So many times we as Christians, we, we, we count it as punishment or it's somewhere where God sends you when you mess up, but Listen, God draws people into the wilderness for other reasons, too. Not because he's mad at you, not because he's angry, because God is madly in love with you. He's not mad at you all the time. I used to think he was mad at me all the time, but, you know, he's not. And we might think we're just not successful enough or, or we've not done enough. But he, sometimes he takes you to the wilderness because he just wants you to go deeper into a relationship with him. So many times Moses had to be drawn out of Egypt so that Egypt could be drawn out of him. So many times he had to get you, he has to get you to a place where it's only you and him that can talk to each other because, man, I'm telling you, there's so much clutter and so much distraction right now in the world we can't really fully hear. Jesus' most trans- transformative moments were in the wilderness and when he got alone with God. That's when he changed. The wilderness can take you deeper. It can take you into a lasting relationship with him, make you stronger when you come on the other side of it. So I'm gonna ask you today, are you, are you dealing with a wilderness time in your life right now? This is gonna be a time, as I said earlier, of release. And I want you to pr- come up. You know, the prayer team's gonna be up here on the right and left. We'll be up here to pray with you. I want you to come up here and say, God, you know, I don't really know why I'm going through this. But I need you to help me through this. Be with me in the fire. And maybe you're not going through a wilderness right now, but I'm telling you something. One may be coming. Things will come. So I'm going to ask you to come this morning, gather around this altar, and let's just release it to Jesus.